0: So I go to Facebook. Hello,
1: everybody. This is uh, another edition of Talking God. Today we are hosting Joe Campolo. Joe is the managing partner at Campolo Middleton McCormick LLP, a leading provider of legal and business advisory services across Long Island. His law firm is rooted in service to the Long Island community. He pens a popular blog off the record where he shares his refreshingly honest views on current events and deeply personal topics and hosts a weekly business recovery webinar, Business Unusual. Joe uh, was invited to testify before the New York State (laughs) Assembly at a virtual hearing on June 17. And uh, that was about the federal response to the COVID-19 pandemic and it's impact on the business community. We asked Joe to come and uh, speak to us about how uh, the business community was affected, but how also faith entered into this picture and how his own personal faith and how God is speaking to him in these uh, times, when he is working with the business community and with the community at large, so uh, welcome, Joe. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it very much.
2: Thanks, Scotty. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me.
1: So, um, so first of all, you know we've been on uh, on your show. And uh, so you are more experienced in in these uh, conversations than we are, we're just uh, starting. But, you know, I feel that, and of course, my colleague, uh, Dr. Don Russo and Father Roy Tverdick, uh, we all feel that within this all pandemic, we talk about how to recover, how to get out of the situation, what to do, but, There is a bigger picture here. It's the first time that the whole world shut down, the business world, the educational world, the travel, everything. So there's gotta be something that is beyond local um, effect. So how do you see God in in your life talking to you? And when you are immersed in in the business that maybe normally doesn't really talk about business and now they kind of have to look up a little bit.
2: Yeah, so it was uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, in March and uh, um, we were having dinner and then the word sort of came down uh, from Albany that they were going to be closing down the state and closing down the uh, the economy. And the first, the first thought that went through my head um, as a Marine was my former drill instructor who said, uh, you're not going to find any atheists in a foxhole, right? And I said, oh my goodness, here we go. Um, what is this going to look like, OK? We, we've never, as a, as a society, we've just never shut down society before. We've never shut down the economy before. Um, and so I really thought at that particular moment, what an incredibly great opportunity to uh, to stop and to listen, right? What a great opportunity to stop and listen, to say, what is, what is God? What is the universe trying to say at this moment? And uh, that was really the beginning of the next 90 day journey, which has been an, an amazing, interesting um, journey for me and, uh, and for folks that I come into to contact with. Um, you know, the world is a very interesting, very interesting place right now. I, uh, I, I feel uh, some days that I can align myself very much with Job um, and keep wondering uh, what's next. And keep using the opportunities to to deepen faith, because faith is all we really can have right now. There's no control. We as humanity, with all of our technology, with all of our economy, with uh, with everything we've been able to create, have nothing but faith to help us get through these times right now. And business people who thought they were geniuses um, six months ago, have been incredibly humbled by the way that things are going in the, uh, in the world right now. I will tell you that um, I've been incredibly uh, disappointed with the lack of um, direction and faith uh, that, that the media and others with influence have been trying to lead our people towards. Uh, This was a time when we had a very unique opportunity uh, in this country and in this world to really highlight and have a poignant moment to see how powerlessness human beings really are and how important faith is. And I feel like we incredibly have missed that opportunity over these past 90 days um, to really get that message out. And we, we can talk about whatever you want, but, but really that's what's important to me. And, I, and I'll tell you right away, the extreme uh, disappointment I've had that governments have shut down houses of worship um, during this time, okay, while encouraging public protesting, but not encouraging houses of worship and prayer, and I think more than anything, we needed those houses of worship, that community to help us get through these times. These are really, really difficult times. The business community, um, which is what you've asked me to speak about, are, um, are suffering challenges that they've never seen before, not just from an economic perspective, but from a, an emotional, from a spiritual, um, from a mental perspective. When people spend their lives building a business and it's a, it's shut down and it's turned off and they have to let people go and they have to terminate longstanding employees and they have to do all of these really, really hard, difficult things and they're not able to, uh, to have an outlet in terms of of faith and hope and worship and spiritual guidance, um, it's a a terrible, terrible thing and a terrible situation. so I feel incredibly disappointed that as a nation and and quite frankly, as a world, we missed an opportunity to to come together and join together in in faith. Mm -hmm. We, We have a moment in history, which I understand from a civil rights perspective that they're coming together in protest, I would have appreciated and I think many people would have appreciated the opportunity for people to come together in faith as well. So there's this, there's this inherent sort of um, contradiction that I can't seem to get past and I'm trying to because I always look for the policy and the reasons and people, but I will never understand and I probably will never forgive our elected officials for, uh, for not encouraging uh, and not allowing people to come together and pray together as a community and faith during these times. It's a really poignant moment that we missed as a a society. Mm. Would you say that maybe some of the
1: responsibility has to go to the clergy, that maybe clergy should have pushed harder to to maintain services? I can tell you from the Jewish perspective, uh, we've had services online via Zoom, And actually, we've had more participation in this period and more involvement than we've ever had. And it really gave us an opportunity to connect beyond the building. You know, there's the story of of the second temple in Jerusalem that before it was destroyed, there was a question that the Roman general posed to uh, uh, one of the, the leading rabbi, Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai, and he knew that they, the, the Romans are going to destroy Jerusalem. And he asked Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai, what, what, ask me whatever you want and I will grant it. And the rabbi kind of probably knew that the building itself is not going to sustain the Jewish people. And he said, give me Yavne and its wise people which means let me move the Sanhedrin to a different location. And basically the rabbinic Judaism was born just as the same time as Christianity 2,000 years ago. And the Judaism we live today is rabbinic Judaism, is, is beyond the temple, beyond the, the space. So for us, I think it did something good. Um, I know maybe you can speak for yourself as a, as a Catholic and maybe Father Roy can. Uh, Shed some light from that perspective, what were the biggest challenges, but for you as a parishioner, what was your biggest challenge in not going to to church, and do you think the church could have provided other opportunities to connect the Community beyond the
2: building itself. Well I'll i'll tell you a couple of thoughts on that okay um for for the business community and for folks that um, re- rely on faith, um, a place of community, a, a, a place of worship, you know, th- that inspires and that brings hope. I'm Zoomed out. I've been on Zoom for uh, for 90 days, okay? And it's great <laughs> to see everybody. But to be honest with you, give me uh, midnight mass on Christmas Eve where I'm holding a candle and we're singing with a choir. and uh, and I will soar to the heavens at that point. Give me sunrise mass where we're all together holding hands as the sun's coming up. Okay, and our spirits will will soar. Uh, part I think for me, part I think of my faith is that feeling of of community. What I what I really appreciate um, about about going to church, whether it's church or temple across the across the board, is everybody's equal there. You know, in the business world, you're constantly sizing people up. You're going into meetings. Who should I talk to? Who's going to give me business? Who's going to give me this? Who's going to give me that when you are able to go into your place of worship, everybody is equal and everybody is humbled. Okay. And that's, that's an amazing feeling. And that presence, that presence I feel gives so much Hmm. for business folks. And, and I can only speak from the Catholic perspective, and Father Roy and I debate this all the time. But business folks are are busy; they're calendar driven. Okay, that's just the way that the business community works, and uh, and they have their time slot on Sundays to uh, to be at church, and to feel that presence. And I and I have to tell you, it's um, it was missed from my perspective, and I can tell you from folks that I that I talk to, it was missed. You know, there's probably a reason. That you know, uh, TV evangelism has never really caught on, other than for the elderly or the infirm. Um, we need a we need a community. You know, we need a community. When I was watching, quite honestly, when I was watching the uh, the protests that transformed into into riots, right? What was missing were the were the parishes. What were missing were the religious leaders. What we're missing on the churches, the churches, particularly in the minority communities, have played such an important part, such an important part of the civil rights movement in this in this country, and uh, and and they were disbanded and they were not able to come together and be the driving force that I feel like our country needed. So for me, it was just a poignant moment, right, where the world could have come together and said, "Okay, God, we get it, we get it." right? And we're listening. And, uh, and what are you saying? And let's hear you. And let's figure out what's next together. It was a really poignant moment. And I just don't feel that that message came across.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would, I would have certainly agree. I mean, I've been lamenting. <clears throat> and today we finally had, you know, I um, preached today at the shrine, 60 people inside the building it's a gorgeous day we could have been outside for a mass but whatever okay another story but uh um but why and and how and to to actually see their faces and to pray the creed together and to hear voices i am sick and tired of the bloody zoom liturgy that i speak into a camera and i don't hear the voices coming back at me And uh, to pray together, of course, in in person, in person. So, you know, it's good for the infirm and people. And thank you. I'm glad people, you know, lasted for three months and whatever happened. So, but I I did preach one time uh, to the folks on the couch. I said, you know, I know you're all sitting on the couch. I know you are. But, you know, are you drinking coffee right now? are you having your little latte thing and you got your feet up and you're watching father Roy do his little thing. And this is all cool and wonderful. Uh, It's not mass. It's, this is, you know, this is, this is okay. If that's all you got, but you know, this is obviously it's a unique moment. I'm not saying anybody's at fault here, but, but I I wish that I, we can get back to real, real worship, real worship.
2: Well, I and, feel like uh, everybody's at fault, right? And that's that. So yeah. let, let's not lose the poignancy of what we went through, particularly here in New York. Okay, we were the front line. We were the first state in this United States that dealt with COVID with no intelligence on it whatsoever. And it was like, it was like a dark blanket coming over our state. And the estimations were there were going to be monumental amount, amounts of death monumental, right, in mm. a particular moment, we need to be able to go to our houses of worship. I'm sorry. That's yeah. what we need to be able I, to go. That's I could, be- like I could not believe. Go, yes, right? I and
0: could it, not believe. Yes, I could not believe. it's
2: so frustrating to me that that was the response that uh, that the that the media and the elected officials had. It should have been, in my opinion, it should have been, right. go pray. Go pray as hard as you can pray. Go be a community. And I get it. But um, I really feel like when we look back in history, um, in the context of, uh, uh, you know, this is of biblical proportions, to my, in my opinion, we, we really missed a great opportunity to, uh, to reintroduce God into a very secular capitalistic world.
1: Well, that's what we're
2: doing yeah. right now.
1: We're trying
0: I, I also right now for me also let me just say one thing is that what, what really put me over the edge it was like are you kidding me they closed Lords hello Lords in France like hello that's all about miracles it's all about healing and they and they closed it down I have to say I they closed my shrine okay so but Lords. You could have managed it, you could do whatever social distancing, blah 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 blah. But that you close lords and like, what is that even? I, I, I couldn't get my head around it. I couldn't get my head around it. So, I am like you, Joe, that I, you know, been okay. We we managed three months, so let's see where we're going to go. Of course, we have to be careful, blah, blah blah. Yeah, okay, got that part, but you know, to be able to. You know, worship and pray and bring people together, and then to go against this. This I, I, I said it. I, I preached it, and at the at this, I did a fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary just now, and I also preached this morning. I told a story, this very important story, and um, it was a a woman who was a, a, a Polish woman, simple lady, in the middle of the war, World War Two, and she. She is nothing special. She said, I'm nobody special. So the interviewer was saying, like, you saved Jews. You put your life on the line. You did incredible things. And you have a tree in Yad Vashem in your name, in your honor. And she said, I'm nothing. I just tried to do what I thought was right. And the only thing I can say is I did not jump off the cliff when everybody else did. When all those people went crazy and did whatever they did during the war i knew what i had to do i knew i was just going to do i'll try to protect who i can and do what i can do and i think that's my modus operandi at the moment it's like okay i'll do what i can do you know i couldn't change i couldn't welcome people to the shrine and say please come and pray the rosary at noon and we'll have thousands of people gathered and we can pray the rosary nope, they shut me down, but okay, they did. All right, they said, no, you can't do that. I'm All right, I understand you can't have unruly crowds, but then they had protests and marches, okay. What can I tell you? What can I tell
2: you? Do you, do you that's think the, that it's... It- the, the, yeah, the, and that's the hypocrisy that really troubles me is, you know, you, from a civil rights perspective, I understand the need to, to respect protests, but to say you can protest and not pray publicly together, seemed very, very unfortunate to me, right?
3: Can I say something? Sure, I'm, I'm a legal assistant. And for the first time in my life, I've worked from home. And um, it was not the same as working with the, with the people that you work with, not being able to see clients not being able to, okay, we had to, we had a change where I'm a notary, so we had to notarize things virtually, some people do not have those assets. And some of the people, the elderly people do not have cell phones. They haven't got access to the videos or this or that. The only access that maybe they have is to EWTA. They couldn't participate. And some of the, one of a very good friend of ours is a hundred years old. And also it also affected prayer meetings where we need the guidance each each week we have a. a access uh, to prayer meetings that we were at everything had to be like underground we were the first time in solidarity with like the Chinese people who were underground and um, I just had to throw that into this conversation because it was very hurtful I mean some of us lost a lot of people, family in uh, during the Holocaust and all and to have to be thrown back into that era without spiritual comfort or or solace, or or prayer, with other people. It was a, it was a completely different type of uh, three months, and uh, was very hurtful. It was also very hurtful that people couldn't go to their doctors or anything else. For the only thing that they could go to is for the COVID. We had uh, real problems with that, and there were real deaths that should not have happened as a result of it. In in all. Um, in all of the uh, businesses. And uh, we just uh, needed that spirituality. We really did. We needed yeah. each other desperately.
1: That's great. Thank you for saying that. So do you think that really, Joe, that now that businesses and business people like you, faithful people, were away from churches, synagogues, mosques, they would be... More that would bring God back into the business world more, or just be more aware that we are just human beings, not only numbers.
2: You know, it's it's um, the frustration. I guess is as the economy continues to open up and things get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Um, this country will continue, particularly because it's an election year, this country is gonna be continuing to focus on the economy, the economic indicators, the economic numbers, if that, if, as if that's somehow the end all be all of what makes up a, uh, a great nation and a great you know, community. And it's just such a shame that we lost these last 90 days to uh, to really have an opportunity to recenter so many business people so many i would tell you 90% and i'm not even exaggerating 90% of the business people so i'm a business lawyer i spend every day all day talking to business owners about their problems 90% of them are saying i'm rethinking about what i'm doing the pace was too frantic yeah. um, I wasn't making a lot of money. Everybody's rethinking everything. That's amazing. Right. But the one piece that they're not focused on is what is the role of their faith going forward? Right? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the piece of the equation that's missing right
3: now. Mm -hmm.
2: We had such a great opportunity to reintroduce, okay, uh, you know, their religion and, and let them see what a resource Mm -hmm. It be let them see what a value it could be, because Mm -hmm. people have had extreme mental stress these last ninety days. They've been totally lost. Everybody's telling me they're lost. They lost. So, so let me. When we were on your show, we
1: talked about the concept of the Shabbat and how important it is of the Sabbath, and it was part of our understanding of the. Also, when we were going to the uh, Holy Land. So for me, and of course, it's not me, but I belong to that school of thought that Shabbat, the Sabbath, the sabbatical concept is the essence of religion or faith. Because it means that you are able to stop, to leave things and say, I'm not in control for at least one day a week. Then if we talk about the sabbatical year, so every seventh year, so do you think that now when businesses are recalibrating, recalculating, they would maybe think of inserting somehow within their budgets, because you have to plan for something like this, a real sabbatical, a real uh, time off for people. I think that it's amazing that in America, you get two weeks off. How can you survive on two weeks off? beyond, of course, you know, weekends and and other holidays, but still two weeks for a human being that usually works so hard and intensely. That's not enough, but you have to budget for something like this and businesses want to cut expenses and make the most profit they could. So,
2: but do you think this pause would allow them to maybe rethink that? Yeah. And I think, I think businesses are moving in that direction, Gadi. I think it's, you know, so we, we joke around about Zoom, but one of the things that we've learned um, is that Zoom can be a good substitute for certain things, right? It can cut down a lot on travel time um, for, for meetings that don't necessarily have to be in person, but it can't satisfy the need for human connectivity and energy. That sort of, even as a lawyer, as a lawyer, it's very hard to negotiate. It's very hard to, you know, to, 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 to talk to people, via a camera, it's, it's, just, it's just very difficult to do. So as a spiritual advisor, I can't imagine that it's, uh, it's anywhere, you know, somewhat easy to do it. I think what, as business leaders, certainly what I'm rethinking, and, and I know that the other business leaders here on Long Island are rethinking is, what is the work-life balance gonna look like? What do we really need people to come into the office for? What can they be working more at home for? And I will tell you that one of the really great things, one of the really great things that have come out of these past 90 days is people have gotten a renewed sense of home. Okay. So in the business world, it's always trying to one-up each other, get these McMansions, get the latest and fancy things, but they're working so much that they never really get to feel like they're home Mm. and that sense of home. What I have got now is people all of a sudden falling in love with their homes, they're falling in love with their gardens, they're finding this renewed sense of beauty and nature, right, and that's one step closer to getting mm-hmm. to secular capitalistic mindset, and more towards a spiritual mindset, and I think that that's an incredibly important movement right now, for us as business leaders to encourage, right, because that is what's gonna that is how this world is gonna be shaped going forward. And so I'm encouraging people to fall in love with their homes again, fall in love with their gardens, understand, go out and talk to their trees. Okay, it sounds weird, but I I disappear in my gardens. Father Roy You have a
0: beautiful backyard. I've Father seen it. Father Roy it's knows very my nice. gardens, he knows yeah. them
2: well. And so that movement, I think, and then Shabbat, and then you know, move it back. Let's not forget what America about right but somehow we have so it's really about step one to me was watching everybody fall back in love again with their homes and their gardens which was very encouraging that's very nice but you know uh when i was in the business world
1: and uh, other my friends and i know that it is it, this is how if you're a good boss you want to know what your workers are doing at every more moment I don't particularly believe in that. I think you should hire people that you trust and let them do what they're capable and and do well and not have to micromanage. And I think that really is part of the stress in the in the business world of the micromanagement in the office. So I think in a sense it's kind of releasing people from Egypt in one in one sense the bosses had to let go they didn't really have a choice and now they're seeing that opportunity like you're saying that if they don't have to come into the office they can stay home and do it i know that there's there are programs now applications and uh on the the computer that uh tracked uh employees what do you think about that do you have one of those in, in your office
2: so for us for us you know as attorneys we bill time so it's very easy to track productivity in terms of how you're billing time what we've spent the last 90 days doing and i think a lot of really good businesses have done that have been testing what is absolutely critical to be in the office in person to do and what what is it that can be done from home now this causes a lot of commotion because the commercial real estate market here on long island is one of the huge driving economic indicators of it Real estate drives Long Island. It causes a lot of stress because now people have found, you know what, I don't need as much space as I have. I can have my people working from home and I can have a much happier work-life balance across the board, right? So that's sort of what's going on is the biggest conversation right now going on in the business community is, what is it exactly I can do from home and what is it that isn't optimal for me to be able to do uh, you know, from home? productivity is going to change it's just going to change and the economy is going to change it just it just is whether we like it or not covid has has changed the world forever right consumer confidence drives our economy but, and you know what people are just not going to be as confident irrespective going forward as they ever were in the past at least for our for our generation and so we really have to be mindful about how are we making sure the whole person is being taken care of? How are we making sure the family unit is staying intact? Because that's what's going to keep the productive employees with us. Mm-hmm. You know, factories and mills, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very, very tough. Um, so it's, it's sort of one day at a time in that, in that regard. Um, th- this is why, you know, there's, there's a series of dominoes in the economy that are just going to fall. They are going to fall. You can't. You can't have 40 million people out of work. You can't have GDP drop by 30 percent. You can't have seven trillion dollars added in uh, in stimulus dollars and added onto debt without major economic dominoes falling. Right? We don't even know where that goes. We have no idea where that goes. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we have to make sure, as business leaders, what we're trying to inspire other people to do is make sure your people feel safe, okay? Make sure they feel valued and have as much flexibility as you possibly can to make sure that your production is, uh, is sustainable for, for your business, right? And that's the big challenge that's going on right now. And, and I, you know what? I believe, I believe in, uh, in America, I believe in American people, I believe in entrepreneurial spirit. I believe all of that is going to work out okay. Uh, I just worry I worry about the uh, the mental health aspects. I worry about the families being intact. You know, uh, matrimonial lawyers right now are are busier than they ever have been. Um, there's a whole bunch of dominoes from this that are falling that people are going to need their religious and spiritual leaders to help guide them through. Yeah, I have a, a question that I had in mind. You know, we
1: we Don and I talked earlier. We taught a class about the social justice or justice, biblical justice. And we really, the conclusion, I would say that there is no such thing as justice aside from social justice. Really justice translates to social justice. And I know you work a lot with the community and the non-for-profit and you help many businesses. Do you see maybe a phenomenon that maybe more established businesses help smaller businesses within the, the, the business community, aside from the governmental support?
2: Well, so that's, a, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that weighs on my mind right now, Gotti, is, you know, here we have a situation where let's just take New York, for example, New York's going to have almost a forty billion dollar budgetary shortfall because of COVID, healthcare, and everything else. There are eleven thousand not-for-profits in New York that provide charitable services, home homelessness, shelter, food, to the poor and impoverished here in New York that get funded through New York State, who are probably going to be cut um, because the budgetary shortfalls are going to be are going to be devastating. Okay, and that's. That's always the challenge, I think, that this country has, and something, again, that we missed, why I get frustrated, because we missed the opportunity for the last 90 days to really, really focus on this issue and this problem. Look at, look at, the, um, look at who was impacted by COVID. It was the, the elderly, those with, with health conditions, and minority communities. As the economy takes off, you know what? Uh, Ivy League educated entrepreneurs, they'll figure out a way to exploit the market and and make money. You're going to have a lot of poor people, a lot of sick people, a lot of people out there who are going to need support and help. And the not-for-profits are not going to be able to support them because their budgets are going to be drastically cut. It is imperative. And this is my soapbox every day, every chance I can. It is imperative for the Long Island business leaders for the New York business leaders for the New York United States of America business leaders to support our churches and our not-for-profits right now because we are going to see a massive amount a massive amount of pain in the in the in the communities that need it the most we cannot do what Americans always like to do which is wall ourselves off join gated communities so we don't have to see what's really going on in the uh, in the world and turn a blind eye. We are gonna have for the next two years serious budgetary shortfalls and the private community, business people and wealthy people here on Long Island are gonna have to pick up that ball and help them out. Now I will tell you that they're stepping up. I see it tremendously. Everybody's stepping up uh, to whatever extent they can, but I will beat that drum from now until the day I die, that we all have to help Right now, those who are going to need it the most, and with these budgetary shortfalls, you, you can't have, you know, the, the federal government printed trillions of dollars, okay, they printed trillions of dollars, which has to be repaid at some point, and none of that money has gone to state or local governments yet to help the local services that are needed, the food banks and everything else that are, that are needed. And so we have to step up. There is no other way. And that, again, is why I'm so frustrated that we've missed this opportunity to really focus again on community. Every faith is based on community. Mm-hmm. Right? So we really had an opportunity to focus on community and bring communities together. And uh, and we, we dropped the ball. But we have to, and, I, and I'm so happy and proud that you guys are doing these programs because we got to get people thinking in this direction. We just have to. We are going to come undone. Come on, guys! Look at what's going on in the country. I don't. I don't care what political party you're affiliated with. We are being ripped apart at the seams, and it's only faith that's going to hold us together. That's what brought this country together, one nation under God, and that's what's going to be the glue that holds us together. Yeah. If I could, if I could throw my
4: two cents in here, Joe. Um, I, I go back to what you were saying about all of these businesses, um, and and people rethinking many, many different elements. But one of the things that I didn't hear, and I'm I'm more concerned about than anything else, is that we also have to start rethinking our faith. Um, You know, I think that uh, people say that, you know, there's no such thing as a private faith. Faith is personal, but it's, 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 It's not private. And obviously that has to have some impact on the way we live and how we affect others. But unfortunately, especially with mainline religions, um, we have been very reluctant and we have been to a degree told not to rethink about faith, not to rethink about the institutions um, yeah we can think about our own personal relationship with God and our own spirituality but I do think within this whole element um, some somehow I think we were waiting for the clergy, bishops, priests, ministers, rabbis to take the bull by the horns and I think what we what we did miss was the opportunity to say, no, we are baptized people. We are baptized into the priesthood of Christ, at least from a, a Christian point of view. Let us now take the bull by the horns and let's as a group start rethinking. And, and, and I think that that's something that we have forgotten about. We, we, we've been waiting too long for somebody at the top to take initiative, and they certainly didn't come from the American bishops. Um, speaking as a Catholic, uh, what what else can we do except as baptized Catholics and baptized Christians? But to start rethinking this whole element of religion. Um,
2: well, I, uh, I agree with that, Don. And you know, I I started out when I was starting my remarks, I started talking about the book of Job and I've been reflecting this whole 90 days on the book of Job. That book to me has always been my favorite from the Bible. And the reason is because it shows to me the human transformation and the human liberation and the human connectivity with God. Once you realize that you're no longer a victim, Right, And so I think that humanity has the victimization complex where they feel they're victims and oh, woe is me. And oh, I am justified to do this. And I am justified to do that because terrible things happen to me and I'm just a victim. And then all of a sudden true liberation, in my opinion, comes when you realize that you're no longer a victim, but you have to now go out and, and uh, just like uh, St. Like Paul and, and start moving the ball forward yourself because you can't rely on other people to be able to do that. You know, we, we see the protesters that are out there and you know what, it, you know, let's, let's, let's keep it confined to peaceful protesting. Peaceful protesters didn't ask anybody for permission to go out and protest. They said, we've had enough and we're going to go out and we're going to protest. Okay. Opportunists, unfortunately, the, the form of rioters muttered that, but they did it. Why couldn't people of faith have done the same thing? Why couldn't people have faith? Why did they need the bishops or the priests permission to go out and go to their places of worship and start to worship publicly? And that's what they should have been doing. What? How dare they try and stop us? How right. dare they try and stop us? Right. Okay. And if, if people of faith had done that proactively, we'd be having a much different conversation right now, but we, we, still are, we still play the victims. We still play the victims. Well, I'm not gonna go, the bishop hasn't told me to go, this is happening, that's happening. We need to understand that the story of our life and our life story is in our control, okay? Our relationship with our God is our personal relationship and there shouldn't be anything or anybody that's going to stop us from getting out there and not being a victim and i think that that's really the tragedy here is um is is we miss we miss that opportunity as well
4: yeah i think it's a it's a it's it's a, reinf- it's, a it's a time that we we have to begin to reinforce the the fact that we are the body of christ and uh, that and that's not just a nice theological term, uh, that somehow through baptism, we are all related. And the, the, the church is not the clergy, it's all of us. And it's, it's a realization that, uh, that we belong to a body uh, that has different functions, but that is, is vivified by the spirit by the Trinity. Um, And I think we have to be able to rethink this idea of, hey, I'm a person of faith. And by the way, doubt doesn't make my faith any weaker. In fact, doubt makes it stronger. And you only deal with the doubt as you begin to work things out. And I think there's been too much of a reluctance on the part of the, the, uh, the laity to really take the bull by the horn. So I hear what you're saying. Um, and, you know, again, let's hope that uh, perhaps there will be a new moment in terms of the faith, perspective and thrust of, of the lady.
1: So I'd like to say something about your point, Joe, about the book of uh, Job that you somehow relate this period to the Book of Job. I somehow relate, I guess, the opposite. I related to Jubilee. I really see many elements in this period that we're in that are also, for some people, it's the Book of Job. If they lost their job, they lost their health, they lost a loved one, absolutely. And on the other hand, there is the Jubilee component in it that says, drop everything, forgive debts to your neighbors and to the most destitutes in your society. Look at yourself, spend time at home, not at work. All these components are amazing. We, would, we wouldn't be able to do to achieve them without the what I see of course as God um, putting us in, in this situation. So even even the idea that the, in Messianic times, at the end of times, people will be hungry and thirsty, not necessarily for food, but for the Word of God. And here we are, all of a sudden people, are thirsty for the word of God, to go back to the sanctuaries, to the synagogue, to churches, to mosques. Maybe we've taken things a little bit too uh, casually. And now we're understanding the real value. So on the other hand of the other side of the book of, of Job, I absolutely see also the book of Jubilee. And I think that's why God is speaking to us through this time. It's a complete voice that we need to see, I think, both, both sides of it.
4: Yeah. I, I, I'd like the idea of, of Job. One of the things that of course Jubilee, we talked about this afternoon, but one of the elements of Job that always struck me is his so-called three friends. And what struck me about his so-called three friends is that they had the answers. They knew exactly why Job was going through what he was going through. And Job just looked at them and said, no, you know, you're certain, but certainty flies in the face of faith. And your answers, you think you've got the only or the right answer. Um, It's coming up negative here, folks. You don't have the answers. And what therefore we are pushed to do in, in the book of Job is to rethink our, our image of God, our idea of God. Um, and, and we have to be very, very careful about those people who have the answers and very glibly say, if you do this, this is gonna happen. Um, we have forgotten to live the mystery that is God, and we we look for certainty. It's it's so so ridiculously funny that I listen to some of these preachers um, uh, on both sides of the aisle, and what they're preaching is certainty, and yet they're claiming to be people of faith. And I just have to laugh. I mean, how incongruous that is. Um, so just a thought on Book of Job.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that, Don. You know, the interesting part about it is there's no playbook for this. For the first time in uh, in modern human history, we have no we have no playbook. We have no way to even gauge in any way, shape, or form what's uh, what's next because it's just simply a moment in human history that we haven't gone through before. We've never turned the entire world off and then tried to restart it again, um, and so. Whether people like it or not, they're forced to rely on faith. I watch all of these business guys who, you know, a year ago were geniuses. Well, when the when the Dow's growing by 20% a year, it's not hard to be, you know, a lucky genius. And now they're forced to really look at what's going on. And the challenge is rather than saying, woe is me, and I'm a victim, and I can't believe this is happening, the challenge and where I focus on from Job's perspective is. What is God trying to say to me? What is he trying to teach me? What am I trying to learn here? Every step of the, the way. And I can tell you, I'm a, pretty, um, I'm a pretty thoughtful guy. I spend a lot of time really reflecting. My onion has been uh, been peeled much deeper in these last 90 days. You know, I've, I've, I've gone to new places inside of myself uh, that I probably knew were there, but never wanted to go or never, um, never had a reason to go, right? Because things were so good that I could just ignore those places. Um, but I forced myself to really look deeper. And that's where I think the message comes from, is, is if people are going through this time right now and just saying, oh, this is terrible, everything bad is happening to me, and without saying, what is it that God is trying to say to me? What is it that the universe is talking about right now? Where am I supposed to be growing? And what am I supposed to be learning? Really, really, really wasting their time, quite honestly. And that, I think, is um, where the clergy can be really, really helpful is by sending that message. You know, God is talking. You, you like it or not, it, you, you, what, whatever you want to say, for the last 90 days, God is talking to us. Okay? And it's up to us to figure out what he's saying to us and what our lives need to look like as we move forward.
4: Yeah, I think that Man. the uh, <clears throat> people, t- people tend to blame things from the outside because they don't want to look at whether they themselves are part of the problem. And um, uh, so I think that that has a lot to do with it. They're, they're very quick to blame others. Um, it's, th- you know, it's their fault, it's their fault, and yet, what we're being asked, I think, here is to look deeper into ourselves and say, look, you know, are you part of the problem? And you've got to take a deep look um, because so much of what's happening today is, is remains on a superficial level. Um, which, which leads me to the question to you, Joe, is do you think that this period of time is going to be a time
2: where business ethics are going to be challenged? Yeah, I think, I think they are already. I think what we're seeing, uh, particularly with the Black Lives Matter movements, um, a lot of businesses are changing their, uh, their ethics. Um, You know, I think, I think it's, I think it's going to be forced to change morality and ethics from a business Perspective, and I'll tell you why. And and I mentioned this before, but it's a really important point. I think people, and I'm one of them. Listen, I'm I'm one of them. I'm I'm here to publicly tell you that I'm rethinking everything in my life right now. Right? It's every everything. I was on, I was on a path that sort of was taking me over. Okay, it felt like a very productive path. I felt like uh, it was what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And in uh, this time period, these last 90 days have really forced me to look at it and say, is that really how, I, I, you know, I'm 52 years old. So no matter how you slice it, I'm playing the back nine right now, right? And is that really how I want to spend the last, uh, the last few holes of my life? Um, it's not. And so I think that because of that, because there's going to be so much reflection um, in people, people are go- businesses are going to have to think about it. How to do things differently. They're going to have to think about how to change the way uh, they were. And you know, let's hope that that. So my generation, my daughter just graduated uh, college. She graduated Fordham University in in, uh, in May. It's such a shame what happened to the all these kids that were uh, that were graduating this year. Um, you know, everything sort of got canceled, but it's an opportunity for me to impart on her sort of a different way of looking at the world. Um, as well. It's really a great opportunity guys I'm trying to really stress to everybody I talk to every day it's really a great opportunity for us to be rethinking what were our goals and what were our to do's you know I, I came up with a great thing instead of doing a to-do list, I do a not to-do list now. Uh, These are all the things These are all the <laughs> things I do today I'm a big to do list guys so you know? I'm,
1: gonna, I'm gonna take that
2: uh, suggestion. Yeah, and it's it's it it's important for all of us to ha- keep having this dialogue right now at this moment. You know what the 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 media is all consuming. It's a vacuum. There's all kinds of carnage going on. They're gonna they're gonna spin stories the way they want to spin stories. But if we're a faith based community and we have our we have our networks and we have our parishes and we have our congregations and we have our people and we have people we can talk to, we have to be telling them. What is God saying to you? And how are you going to move forward in light of what is being said to you? And that's the only thing. That's the only thing that matters right now. Absolutely the only thing that matters right now.
0: now I, I've been saying this. <clears throat> again, I preached a little bit of that part of the sermon, uh, the homily today. Um, but, but in the world as it is, there is people who believe in God. And that's why we this, this program is called you know, Talking God. Well, we're talking about God, but we collectively agree that God's talking, that there is a God, number one, and that he talks. He says stuff for our betterment. He's saying what he says. And OK, so but that is miles away from a lot of other people's experience. Of course, they're atheists and they're whatever they are and anarchists, whatever, whatever. And and that's what I'm troubled by is like, my gosh, there's so many people who um you know, the dark is dark and the light is getting brighter. Okay. People are getting it, people are getting it, but other people are lost in violence and hate and, and tear it down, tear it down, tear, tear what down? What do you, what are you tearing down? Do you don't even know what you're tearing down? And so, um, I'm troubled by that. And, and, and just think, you know, a lot of the mindsets of these people is that, you know, we are slime from a swamp. We're an Cosmic accident, there's no God, there's no direction. It is, what you, it is what it is, whatever we can think we're going to make utopia be. Um, that's, that is such a false idea and I, I attack it at every way that I can. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you think you're finding your human liberation by saying there is no God, I can do whatever the hell I want that's the point, hello, hell, what, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't, do you can't just do anything. You're in my way, I can kill you. You're in my way, I'll steal your stuff. Wait a minute, there's a God who said, thou shalt not steal, that shalt, thou shalt not kill, murder. Um, so, but, but, but this is the dividing line as I see it now. This is a real, real big dividing line between those who believe in God as a jew as a christian even as a muslim as whatever and and the people who want to just say hold on hold on there's a is a there 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 is a higher power here I, i even love the higher power thing you know the 12 steppers higher power i'm all for higher power whatever you want to call it but if you just think it's all arbitrary and chaotic and if i can just make more chaos then i can make this world in my image and likeness oh my goodness that's that's a problem, i because I don't know
1: I think the,
0: how the world you know I'm not God, I don't know how the world's supposed to look. I have a vision of what it should be because God has given me insights but but wow, do you think you are God and you can determine? Wow, this is a problem this is a I think it's a real it's a real problem,
1: yeah, well, I think reality showed us that uh it's greater than we are, and we all. Became vulnerable, one way or another, and even even vulnerability in the sense that we didn't see it coming. That's enough to say, you know, there's no formula to see these things. So, really, uh, with what Joe was saying, faith at the end of the day, is what we really have. So it's amazing to hear that from a business person. Uh, refreshing that it, hopefully that'll go back stronger now, that message, God is talking to us and saying, take that message back when you return. Don't just return to the same thing. Return way
2: better. Yep, and I think that that's the greatest thing that we can all be doing right now is, is, is God is talking. And, and you know, it's, it's very difficult to get that message across when, uh, when things are going well. It's a it's a it's unfortunate, but it's a wonderful opportunity to uh, to get that message across now because I think everybody, like I said uh, when I started in the Marine Corps, they taught us you don't find atheists atheists in a foxhole, Father Roy, and
0: yeah,
2: and, but in that last 90 days we've all been sitting in a foxhole. We've all been sitting in our houses, sitting in a foxhole, and uh, and if we hadn't spent these last 90 days really reflecting on. Uh, what is God saying to us and how am I supposed to come out of this? We need to start right now because there is, there is no tomorrow. We have to start right now.
1: Wow. No better way to end this conversation. Fascinating, interesting, and enjoyable conversation, hopeful conversation. Thank you very much, Joe, for participating in our uh, Talking God program. And thank you everybody for watching it here and uh on Facebook. I think Roy has a question.
0: Yeah, one well, well not a question but a but a please a a plead, you know, this is Project Genesis. We do have our expenses too to try to uh if you can find uh the little website and make a donation. Of course, we're happy to receive it whatever it can be. And um and we are planning another pilgrimage to Israel in march of next year 2021 seven. and so we invite uh, people to consider coming and joining us and you joe too you know we've been talk- talking about going to israel someday and uh but there's no day like the present <laughs> <Very> <laughs> and, good. Uh, to go because it's uh it you know and, and we want to be able to get back i hope please god we can we'll see but uh, of course if it's safe and everybody is uh, able to do it whoever can, but with uh, but, but the pilgrimage as part of Project Genesis, uh, we do that. And then we do these, these lectures, uh, Dr. Don Russo and Rabbi Gotti, they have their uh, lecture that was just this morning. So maybe people can find that. All of this hopefully is archived on our um, Project Genesis website. So um, you can find it there and please share it if you can, if you like this conversation to share it with other people. And build a community because this is what we're trying to do as Jews and Christians, um, as believers in a talking God. Um, we want to be able to uh, invite people to come have a conversation like this uh, on a weekly basis, and and it is what it is, and people will find it as they can. Let let the Lord figure that part out. Amen. Amen.
1: We're just a Amen. vessel, and God speaks through us. Thank you very much again, Jero, much. Jero, thank Jero. you. Okay. Take care and God bless. Peace.